You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. One of the most interesting series of topics on the Paracast has been conspiracy theories that governments or some people are engaged in practices in secret, practices that we don't know about, practices that we might not like. Obviously, the classic conspiracy theory is about the John F. Kennedy assassination. Was it a lone gunman? Was it, as some people say, Lyndon Johnson to make his way to the presidency? Was it the CIA? Was it organized crime? Was it a combination of all or none of the above? Now, we haven't covered this conspiracies for quite a while. So we discovered John Potash, who is author of books that are covering some of these subjects, such as Drugs as Weapons Against Us, the CIA's murderous targeting of SDS, Panthers, Hendricks, Lenin, Cobain, Tupac, and other activists. And that sounds, of course, like a lot of 60s-related stuff. And the other book mentioned here is The FBI War on Tupac, Shakur, and Black Leaders. Now, before we go on, was it the Nixon administration or the FBI that tried to deport John Lennon? Well, it was um, the Nixon administration, you know, but U.S. intelligence was following John Lennon at that time also, according to Lennon himself and according to the FBI documents that, that you know, a Freedom of Information Act revealed. Why were they picking on Lennon? Well, I don't think they liked his anti-war stances, you know, and just, just to also say that I now came out with a film based on both books, but, a two, a, you know, I have a film based on each book, but the film on the second book is available, on, you know, all over the place. It's available on Amazon Prime and a number of other video on demand platforms. It's being sold in uh, Barnes and Noble and, of course, by Amazon, but also through Walmart, Target, um, Best Buy, etc. So, yeah, I, I do actually cover the, you know, John Kennedy in my film, too. But and the reason I argue, the reason is actually somewhat similar to the reason they targeted John F. Kennedy as they targeted John Lennon is John Lennon was anti-war. And he was arguably one of the most influential men in the world at that time that they were trying to deport him. And he was going up against the pro-war stances of the Republican Party. He was also against the racist attacks on black activists, such as the Black Panthers. He invited Bobby Seale onto the, I think it was the Merv Griffin show, and he was invited to um, host the Merv Griffin show for a week. So he had great you know, activists on the show. And so those are some of the things that he was doing to try to turn public opinion against the perpetual war policies of the United States and uh, against the you know, anti black activist stance of, of the government at that time. Right. Yeah. For those of us who are old enough to remember, I definitely remember like the song, Give Peace a Chance. Yeah. And it was like that inspired me uh, in my youth. Uh, I found it absolutely wonderful. I wanted to grow up and be like Lenin at one point. So, you know, definitely did have an, an appeal to the younger generation of the day. Yeah. And so I, I show that, yeah, he typifies a number of the musicians I cover, you know, I found that Jimi Hendrix evolved to be very political in the last year or two of his life. Also, he majorly politicized by the assassination of Martha King. He went to mourning after Martha King's assassination. 
and started uh, talking about the Black Panthers, dedicated his last album to the Black Panthers, talked about them in interviews. And then Tupac Shakur grew up in a Black Panther family and was born into activism and was actually a leader of uh, New African Panthers when he was only 17 years old. And they were a national Black activist group. And Kurt Cobain was very political and very anti-war and very anti-racism. You know, a lot of people, the musicians I cover were activists in and of themselves, besides the other activists I cover, such as, of course, the Black Panthers and the Students for a Democratic Society, who are arguably the largest you know, student anti-war group in history, with 100, being 100,000 strong before they split up in 1969. The thing I wonder about here is you take a person with the prominence of a John Lennon, and I'll mm-hmm. tell you a story about that Give Peace a Chance song in a moment. But you take somebody like that and you go after him or her. You only draw attention to what they're doing. They have the public platform. Now, I'll give you the story before we go on with that. story is I was working at a radio station in Vermont around the time that John and Yoko did their bed in or lie in in a Toronto hotel. I think that's where they recorded Give Peace a Chance. I learned about it from a wire service story. So I called the hotel, see if I could get an interview, right? Missed him by one day. There you go. Yeah, that's nice that you almost got some. Sorry you didn't get that interview. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. More and more so I am. But seriously speaking here, though. Yeah. It doesn't seem stupid, to me at least, that you go after people with a high profile. If you're going to do that, do it on the QT if you can. Yeah, well, of course, they tried to do it without anyone's knowledge. They didn't try to do it overtly. They didn't tell everyone, we're following John Lennon, we're tapping his phone. You know, as John Lennon said, you know, I believe my phone's tapped. I don't know it, but I, I hear things. I mean, when I pick it up, I see people that, that don't even, you know, that are clearly constantly behind me and constantly watching from across the street. And so it wasn't, you know, overt. It was covert. That's the way it works usually. And um, that's the way it was with John Lennon. And same thing with Jimi Hendrix. He didn't know that the FBI had him under 24-hour surveillance. That was only found out after his death, after people went after his, you know, FBI records. These kinds of situations, they they really scare a lot of these musicians. Remember, these musicians were not very old at this time, and despite being so influential musically, they didn't know that much about how to deal with the politics of it all. And so here, John Lennon was going to lose his American voice because he was going to be kicked out of America, you know, sent back to London for good, deported. And then, of course, he was done in in 1980, uh, he went into hibernation for about five years, as you know, in the mid 70s, uh, till about 1980. And while he was in hibernation, he did produce his two albums that you know uh, were you know, instantly popular when he came back. But he also announced he was going to lead a Teamsters march, and he announced that to Newsweek. And so after his death, that came out that he was you know going to get back into activism too. And so it was you know very sad, of course, to lose him when we did, but. A London attorney who is also a, um, a daily news journalist named Fenton Bressler did a seven-year investigation of John Lennon's murder, and he came to find that Mark David Chapman was actually they used that the CIA used a, a program that used hypnosis and drugs to get him to do what he did, and it was actually Fenton Bressler showed the CIA connections to local police intelligence units, and there was one particular police officer 
who guided Mark David Chapman, trained him in shooting, and gave him the hollow point bullets with which to kill uh, John Lennon, with which he shot at John Lennon. And so um, that's just some of the massive evidence of CIA involvement. Another um, author named Phil Strongman, who was a, a veteran music reporter in, in London, has written a number of great music books, decided to write the book about John Lennon's assassination, where he says that another man who was involved in the assassination was a, a guy named Jose Sanjernis Perdomo. And he was part of the Bay of Pigs invasion, and he was uh, considered a CIA hitman. And so he became the doorman that night, the Dakota apartments where John Lennon lived. And he was believed to have aided in that assassination. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere, or maybe not. This is going to be a real fascinating discussion. Out of our normal paranormal coverage, John Potash is joining us. And once again, John is author of Drugs as Weapons Against Us, subtitle, The CIA War on Musicians and Activists. Oh, boy. We got so much more to come. So much more to talk about. With John, Gene, and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-213-9264 Call right now before it's too late. 800-213-9264 Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. 
wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. The reviews for Extendivite are amazing. Here are some from Amazon. September 2018. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I've been using Extendivite for many years now. May 2018. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. March 2018. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. February 2018. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. Tell us your story. Get Extendivite today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, John Padesh talking about CIA conspiracies. Was John Lennon one of the victims in his 1980 shooting? Now, I'll tell you the other story about John Lennon before Randall goes on. I was working in New York City at the time. I got up real early. But that morning, when the news came out that this happened, overnight, we got up at 1 o'clock in the morning. For some reason, the alarm went off early. The very first thing that came on the clock radio was a story about Lennon being assassinated. End of story. Randall? About what year, just before the break there, you were saying that this these documents came out f- that indicate that the CIA was involved in actually training Chapman to, to or somehow influencing him to carry out the assassination. Now, when did those documents surface? Uh, Fenton Bressler published his book in 1989. And so he had done a Freedom of Information Act request on the FBI documents. They got uh, two or 300 of them. But they alluded to CIA documents also. I believe he only got two or three pages of the CIA documents. They, he just couldn't get the, you know, those documents from the CIA despite filing these freedom of information requests. So you know, with his book in 1989, you know, a lot of this information came out. But again, uh, this is what you know, his evidence, he says, explains and supports. But the actual CIA document saying we trained Mark David Chapman, no, he couldn't get them. He couldn't get them, you know, explicitly. No, something's up with that, though. I mean, I've always suspected that myself. So, you know, mm-hmm. and right about that time too, I think there was some other people 
sort of saying, well, look, you know, was this just all him talking, you know, with the voices in his head kind of thing? The, the CIA, we know, and we've talked about this in other shows, where the CIA actually had technology where they could make sounds appear in people's heads from a distance. And now it's come out into the public and it's used in advertising, uh, street advertising. Now, who's to say? I mean, this sounds like it could be something that's plausible. Yeah. And so when when the uh, police officers got Mark David Chapman, brought him into the precinct, the commander of that precinct, which happened to be a, you know, a huge precinct, there's a million people in that one New York precinct. When he was interviewed by Fenton Bressler, he told Bressler that it appeared that, you know, David Chapman, about him, you know, analyzing Chapman, ta- trying to talk to Chapman, he said it appeared that he'd been programmed. And he said, I know what you're going to make of that term, but that's what it appeared to me. It appeared to me that Mark David Chapman had actually been programmed. Is yeah. that the same doorman that you were talking about that had the, uh, the military training? No, no. Oh, I'm saying okay. the, the head of the police precinct when he got Mark David Chapman. Now, oh, they, okay. they first actually, when, they, when the police first came there, they actually thought that uh, Jose Sanjanos Perdomo was the shooter. But uh, he somehow, they somehow didn't touch him. They didn't arrest him. He was never, um, you know, looked at further. He somehow, you know, through, I guess, his connections, I don't know. He was not looked at more after that. Apparently, you know, when the police first came, they really thought it was him, not Chapman. But, you know, we, you know, everyone believes, and I, and I believe, of course, that Chapman, of course, did fire shots. The question is, there's evidence that more shots than just Chapman, you know, came at uh, John Lennon just to be sure that the job was done successfully. And that's oh, that's interesting. I, I hadn't heard that. that that's, yeah, uh, that's really from Phil Strongman's book, um, The Life and uh, Death and or Assassination of John Lennon. Yeah. Looking at the aftermath of this, didn't that bring more attention to John Lennon and what he did than having left him alone? Yeah, the, the issue was is Reagan was coming to power at that time, you know, Reagan and Bush, and they were coming in with all kinds, you know, a huge right wing agenda that was going to try to roll out, you know, a lot of changes in the country and a lot of major, you know, foreign policy initiatives, you know, such as, you know, taking over, you know, places in, in Central America, being involved in all this stuff with the uh, Contra cocaine issues and all that. And so here was John Lennon, a big voice to oppose those policies. And once he's dead, he can't oppose those policies. He can't actively continue to oppose those policies. And so that's why I say that um, they wanted to take out a voice for peace, a voice against the right wing policies and et cetera. Right. Like cut off the, the head of the leaders, so to speak. Right. And, it, and, the, exactly. and then the crowd tends to dissipate to some extent. Right. Of course, in that case, a lot of people came together, and but then then it's it's true, like what you say, you know, with the continuing focal point gone, there wasn't the same sort of focus to really target that specific type of political movement. What about the uh, role of drugs in this now? Because we got drugs is in your book, and by the way, for our listeners, we've got the link to the movie and to the book and to john potash's website right on our forum so if you want to find out more including get the movie you can come to the forum click there and you'll be able to get it there so the film yeah the film's easier than the uh, subtitle of the book the film is drugs as weapons and weapons against us the cia war on musicians and activists and so drugs comes into play in the fact that 
1953, the CIA started a project called MK Ultra. It was Project MK Ultra, and it was really an umbrella project that, um, and with 149 subprojects underneath it. And it was started by the Rockefellers, uh, you know, the Harrimans, the J.P. Morgan family interests, the Carnegies, the Vanderbilts. They had all had the most influence over starting the CIA. And in effect, with the National Security Act of 1947, they made the CIA above the law. And this is according to uh, top CIA whistleblowers like Victor Marchetti, who wrote the book The Cult of Intelligence. Uh, Francis Stoner Saunders, a British magazine editor, who wrote the book The Cultural Cold War, The CIA, Arts and Letters. And so they showed that these families started you know, the CIA, made them above the law, had them doing things outside the law. And one of those things was Project MKUltra, which in its own documents said, we're, we're exploring the use of drugs as unconventional warfare. And they tested about three dozen different drugs on thousands of different soldiers. Here in my state, it was uh, Edgewood Arsenal soldiers. They, they used a thousand Edgewood Arsenal soldiers to test these drugs. And they were all kinds of drugs, but many of the street drugs that we know were first start, tested you know, in these soldiers by MKUltra experiments. And uh, one of actually the largest drugs they, they tested was LSD. Uh, of course, they also tested, you know, the use of opium and cocaine and uh, benzos and ecstasy and, you know, what was formerly known as ecstasy and MDA versus MDMA, which is, was the precursor to MDMA. So um, they found out all the effects and then they started to use them as to weaponize them. Now, the U.S. Senate Church Committee analyzed MKUltra in the mid-1970s. But first, John F. Kennedy came upon MKUltra when he came into office in 1961, and he immediately closed down MKUltra. But he replaced the CIA director, but the second command of the CIA kept, kept the project going behind Kennedy's back. He just changed the name to MK Search. Let's search our break here, sure. John, and we'll get back in the next segment, MKUltra. John Kennedy, that raises the other conspiracy theory. More to come with John, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. 
President Trump is spending his weekend down at his Mar-a-Lago resort. Now, the president played some golf on Saturday, but has not had any press events since the news came out that a senior justice official told many news outlets that Robert Mueller is not recommending any further indictments in his report. The U.S.-backed forces in Syria were dancing in the streets on Saturday. More from USA Radio Network's John Clemens. There was a scene in the northeastern Syrian town of Baghouz as Syrian Democratic forces liberated the village where some of the terrorists seemed intent on fighting to the death. The end came as a U.S.-led coalition launched a series of airstrikes. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on a visit to Lebanon was questioned if funding will continue to the Syrian Democratic Forces to avoid a resurgence of ISIS. Our mission there hasn't changed. We still have work to do to make sure that radical Islamic terrorism doesn't continue to grow. USA Radio News. Are you looking for senior care for your mom or dad but don't know where to start? Hi, I'm Jen London with The Place for Mom. Nobody knows your parent or loved one better than you, and nobody knows senior living better than the experts at A Place for Mom. They've helped thousands of families find the right place for their mom or dad. I was so glad that I called A Place for Mom. My advisor really listened and was truly my partner in finding senior care for my dad. She went out of her way to get to know him as a person and was always there whenever I had a question. The senior living advisors at A Place for Mom partner with thousands of families every month, listening and offering local knowledge and advice to help find the best senior living communities across the country. And it's a free service. Here's the number. Call A Place for Mom at 1-800-370-2715. There's a place for answers, A Place for Mom. Call today. Call A Place for Mom at 1-800-370-2715. That's 1-800-370-2715. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Go to GCNteam.com or call 855-GCN-MALL. That's 855-426-6255. GCNteam.com or 855-426-6255. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, John Kennedy. Having done what he did to the CIA, is that one of the motives or key motive why they took him out? I believe it's one of a number of motives. Uh, I mean, not, yeah, I mean, part of it is uh and you know trying to squash mk ultra part of it is turning back on the vietnam war you know of course he started initiating uh more troops the vietnam war and then he changed his mind and started pulling them back and so i have uh you know various clips film film clips of kennedy talking about pulling the troops back of uh you know analysts who said we have on record kennedy ordering to take get all troops out of vietnam by 1965 
And so, yeah, that, that was another part of it. Sure. And, and why such intense interest in Vietnam? Why did the most powerful families want Vietnam so much? And, you know, why they care about it? Because that was the golden triangle for poppy fields. So I have uh, CIA whistleblower John Stockwell talking about how his, his fellow CIA agents were flying um, out of Vietnam with the heroin, the opium and the heroin from Vietnam into the United States. And I also have Judy Woodruff of Frontline um, in the 1970 documentary talking about the fact that she interviewed a, n- a number of people, people that flew the, uh, the heroin, heroin from Vietnam to the U.S., people that watched the heroin being loaded into the uh, CIA planes, Air America. So when she says that, yes, the you know, CIA was clearly uh, trafficking heroin from Vietnam to the United States and showed the CIA memo admitting to it. You know, it's clear cut. And here with Kennedy trying to pull us out of Vietnam, they were losing access to the best poppy fields in the world for growing heroin, you know, for growing uh, poppy fields, opium and heroin. And now, of course, the second best place in the world is the Golden Crescent for poppy fields, which is at the other end of the same mountain range, the Himalayan mountain range. And that lies in the Afghanistan area. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, so, yeah, I show that's not a coincidence that fought the longest war. First, Vietnam War is the longest war in U.S. history, but then the Afghanistan War surpassed that. Yeah, that that's really, I think, overlooked by a lot of people that, that don't really look at anything but the sort of, well, it's all the Taliban and the, uh, you know, the anti-Islamic sentiment that goes along with that. And they, they don't recognize that the opium trade there is huge or the poppy the poppy growing trade is enormous. And, and I read somewhere that in Germany, they've constructed enormous sheltered fields for poppies to make up for the loss because of this problem with the war there. So you know that companies are making in, or at least have billions of dollars invested in this mm-hmm. particular trade that is connected with the war. And then Let's try and connect this back to to John Lennon, though. Now, I remember reading in his biography something to do with John Lennon getting pretty heavy into LSD at one point. He did. And he also got into heroin. You know, he had that song, Me and My Monkey, about the monkey on his back, about his heroin addiction at one point. Right, heroin. So, yeah, he had a problem with both drugs. And the question is, how did he get started? All right. And so uh, a guy named, a writer named A.E. Hotchner was a... uh, was Ernest Hemingway's editor and longtime friend. And he wrote a book called Blown Away about the Rolling Stones. And in that book, he revealed that in 1965, the deputy director of MKUltra, Robert Lashbrook, came to London with loads of agents, loads of lots of money, and tons of LSD. And it was at the beginning of 1965. And he instructed those agents to get the LSD in as many musicians' hands as possible. Okay, and I, as I told you, India, the MKUltra documents list LSD is one of their top drugs to be used for unconventional warfare. So later in 1965, uh, John Lennon and his wife and George Harrison and his, his girlfriend were having dinner at uh, George Harrison's dentist. And they proceed to dose George Harrison and John Lennon. They put LSD in their coffee without their knowledge. And so John Lennon was furious. And George Harrison said, what's LSD? I've never heard of it. And from that point on, they were introduced to LSD for the first time. They were, you know, granted, they didn't want to do it again because they're furious about the way they started it. But people slowly but surely started to influence them. Well, maybe you should try it again. 
A year later, they're at a party in the, the Laurel Can- like near the Laurel Canyon area of Los Angeles where David Crosby's throwing a party with Peter Fonda and some other people. And they convinced that Be- you know, Beatles, uh, John Lennon, George Harrison, Ringo Starr at that time to uh, try it again. And after that, more people, you know, kind of influenced them that, yeah, it's fun and it's normal and it's cool and it's the thing to do. And so he got he got into it. He got way too into it, obviously. So there was a point in 69 where he really said he was having so many bad trips, he thought he was losing his mind. The head was so messed up from so much uh, tripping that he said he considered drilling a hole in his head. It was something called tree panning. He would drill a hole in his skull to expand his consciousness. And some mainstream biographies of John Lennon said he was actually considering this. Now, he also, it also, LSD also affects your emotional control. So John Lennon, when he went solo, he was getting super nervous before all his concerts, and he was throwing up for an hour or more before his shows because people lose a little bit of emotional control. And, you know, I've tried acid myself about a half dozen times, and what I got out of it was I, my grades dropped drastically for about a year or more. You know, the, uh, some top studies say that are hard to find studies, but they say that there's some damage going on. It's very mild, but there's definitely damage going on. And so it took me a while to, to get my grades back up. But at the same time, I uh, never got back certain skills. And a close friend of mine in college had the exact same thing happen to him. So I didn't think much of it, but I found that these studies say that whether it's the, they're not sure it's the acid itself or the strychnine that's added to the acid. Most acid is cut with additives and strychnine is the most popular additive and strychnine is rat poison. This is some of what's going on with this stuff when they popularize it. So they came to find that the top underground, supposedly underground LSD trafficker in the world was a guy named Ron Stark. He had acid laboratories on several continents. He was involved in the Brotherhood of Eternal Love, which Timothy Leary was involved in. Timothy Leary ended up admitting that he knew he was working for the CIA since 1963. Brotherhood of Eternal Love was funded by the Mellon Hitchcocks. And the Mellon Hitchcocks owned Mellon Bank and Gulf Oil and also had members in top positions in U.S. intelligence. And so they were one of the wealthiest families in the world. They were obviously behind a lot of the spread of the acid, but this Ronald Stark was caught in uh, 1974 in Italy with his, his acid trafficking. And um, the top detective who caught him, a guy named Dick Lee, wrote a book saying that him and his network with the Brotherhood of Eternal Love nationally were responsible for like over 100 million hits of LSD being trafficked in Britain in three years alone. So he had a huge network. And so the first judge to try his case was murdered. The second judge let him off, saying he offered numerous proofs that he was a member of, the, of U.S. intelligence since 1960. So we're going to let him go. Dick Lee talked about his uh, U.S. intelligence work, you know, Ronald Stark, and, and that's what, what that was about. But that just shows where this all comes from. And so a good writer named Martin Lee, who founded Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, wrote a book called Acid Dreams, where he interviewed a number of countercultural veterans of the 60s. And they all said, we believe that, yes, the CIA was distributing this acid to take away the potency of the anti-war movement, including ourselves. They, they were trying to hurt us and hurt our movement and divert people from their best activism. Wow, that's, that's really fascinating stuff. I have when, a related uh, comment to make in our next segment. Sure. Okay, sure. and we'll do that in a moment. Should remind everybody that the best way to support the PowerCast is to become a member of the PowerCast Plus. 
What you get is a version of the show free of the network ads. So the people at YouTube who keep complaining too many ads, well, that's what you get with a network show. We supply the Paracast Plus without them. Plus the After the Paracast podcast, where you never know what's going to come. Sometimes we continue the interview that started on the main episode, like Adele Casals Rocha on last week's episode spent another 50 minutes with us without interruption on After the Paracast. For more information, go to plus.theparacast.com. Once again, that's plus.theparacast.com. John Potash about CIA conspiracies against rock performers and more. With Gina Randall, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off the grid mobile survival bug out house that's well equipped and custom built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. 
and our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Apropos of nothing, John, the <clears throat> legend here of rock stars dying at the age of 27, Kurt Cobain, of course, from, you know, several other stars. Mm-hmm. They died at the age of 27. Yeah. Any reason why that happened or what? Yeah. So in my film, again, the film is uh, people can see it on Amazon Prime, but it's Drugs as Weapons Against Us, the CIA War on Musicians and Activists. And it's based on the book, Drugs as Weapons Against Us. I don't get into that uh, 27 club, they call it. But uh, people, enough people have asked me about it, like yourself. That I will say that in my first book, I talked about an anniversary timing tactic I found with the FBI and U.S. intelligence in general in their assassination of Martha King and a few other incidents. I talk about high-level incidents in my book. So, you know, Martha King, I'll just give an example that uh, exactly one year, the anniversary, one year after his uh, official announcement against the Vietnam War, which was highly publicized, you know, his one of his top uh, the top researchers of his assassination argue you know says that that, that doesn't appear to be a coincidence. And I show how it, it, there's a number of times that that has happened. These kind of anniversary timing tactics with assassinations. And so I would argue that um, a number of these musicians that were activists, like uh, John Lennon, like Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, as you mentioned, Janis Joplin, and I cover them all in my book and film. And also Brian Jones, who I cover extensively in my book, but um, I, sorry to say, got cut from my film, though it's supposed to be in bonus features that are coming out. They uh, all got into the anti-war movement. They all became active in the anti-war movement. And I and they got active by about the age of 25 or 6. And I argue that um, when they're all killed about the same age, I think it, it puts a subconscious message into people's minds that if you go against the, the powers that be, this is what can happen to you. And, and that's what you know their anniversary timing tactic achieves. So we have Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, and of course, Kurt Cobain, and maybe there are others. Those are the ones that yeah. come to mind. 
But I think when most people look at that, they think of maybe some curse or maybe the rock star reaches a point there where they are doing things to excess and they basically kill themselves. Yeah. And so I show the evidence that it wasn't natural for all these musicians to be excessive about drugs. Drugs were pushed on them like crazy by undercover agents and by the the powers that be that influence them through the allegedly underground culture. Now, a lot of the underground magazines, some of them were truly underground magazines, you know, that were political magazines and some were for cultural reasons. But I, I found evidence that a lot of them were uh, what you call an astroturf campaign, which in, in public relations industry is fake grassroots. They start these papers that are supposedly underground, but are really funded by big money. And they pushed an agenda and their the big agenda they were pushing was Timothy Leary's agenda with, you know, um, all he was doing uh, with pushing, you know, turn on, tune in, drop out, which is, you know, use LSD and drop out of uh, the real world and drop out of activism. He was saying to activists, you know, you have menopausal minds. You should be searching for spiritual truths, not being involved in political activism. And so they had all these underground, supposedly underground, you know, newspapers that were pushing the Timothy Leary agenda and promoting Timothy Leary. And they influenced all these young musicians who didn't know a whole lot better that, okay, you know, Timothy Leary is the man you should have on stage with you when the Rolling Stones played, um, you know, I'm so Audemars, it was called, which was like the second Woodstock, they called it. And so they had Timothy Leary in, in all these beans. They had these fake grassroots, you know, parties. In, you know, the acid tests were attended by top MKUltra scientists, according to a legal deposition from the top psychologist at MKUltra, a guy named uh, John Gittinger. So this is some of how this all happened. There, there was these fake grassroots parties, the acid tests, um, and in the TRIPS festivals, John Gittinger and two other CIA MKUltra scientists attended that. You know, they turned into human beings or they tested tons of psychedelics on, on activists at the human beings. They did the same thing when they set up Timothy Leary at the uh, Millbrook estate of uh, Billy Mellon Hitchcock. His, they set him up in his mansion, which was a central part of his 3,000 acre estate of an hour north of New York City. Then they lured all these great artists, writers and musicians up from New York City to this constant party at the Millbrook mansion and MKUltra scientists. Or just stay, you know, hanging out there, trying all different kind, kinds of psychedelics, one of these great artists and musicians, and having them, you know, then spread the idea throughout society, and you know, and so that's some of the way that they, you know, made the sex, drugs, and rock and roll the thing. When really, you know, people would naturally love rock and roll and naturally love sex, but the drugs was inserted in between them to make it uh, seem like it's just natural too. Not that we wouldn't experiment, but to naturally love something that's hurting our mind. Nah, I don't think so. At least to the degree that it was hurting some people because of the way that it was being administered. In some cases, you were saying these people were being dosed without even their knowledge, which which is really like, that's really bad. The head of Columbia SDS also, the head of Columbia's Students for Democratic Society, um, that when that uh, group held a party in uh, 68 or 69, um, an undercover agent, George Demerley, was part of a group called the Crazies, which was an offshoot of Abby Hoffman's Yippies, and they, they uh, dosed the punch at their party and, and got them tripping for the first time. Yeah, that's really not cool. Um, there's some people, of course, uh, when you start, you know, just going back to Lennon briefly, uh, that Ono was somehow involved with some kind of an intelligence 
system of some sort. And that in, in the book, in uh, his biography, she was responsible, according to the book, for supplying Lenin with a lot of his pure LSD, like in liquid form. And then we have uh, something sort of similar going on with uh, Kurt Cobain. And we've got a question in our question bank bank here. So maybe you could uh, sort of draw some parallels there or or fill in some of the blanks. Cy Chris asks, I'd love to hear about Courtney Love's connection to the CIA, her involvement in Kurt's murder. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says that in quotes because I'm not sure that it's ever been proven and who her real dad is, uh, whatever that's about. Yeah, well, yes, I get heavily into I have a whole chapter just on Courtney Love because of what, you know, what that guy just asked that question on. That's that's a good question. And I'll, I'll I have a, she's a very complicated story. But, um, yeah, she was I, I think she you know does have a parallel to Yoko Ono. Now, I don't. I just raise questions about Yoko Ono. I don't uh, assume anything, but a, 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 a biography that came out within the past year from a journalist who was close to the Beatles in Britain, he says that Yoko Ono got John Lennon using heroin um, for the first time. And so um, I believe that. And uh, again, I'm, I don't know. He knows better than me. He was close to the Beatles. But um, she did come from the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest families in Japan, and her actions are very suspicious. I just don't, I don't get heavily into that. When when John Lennon did think he was losing his mind, Yoko Ono from doing too much acid, uh, Yoko Ono tried to convince him that no, you're fine. No, you know, keep keep using acid. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, one so, thing I wanted know, to bring up here about Yoko Ono because I've been reading stuff about the Beatles in general. Supposedly here, Paul McCartney sicked Yoko Ono on John because she was hanging around like she's trying to land or bed a beetle. And McCartney said no and sent her off to Lennon. And supposedly she hung around for, what, about a year or so before Lennon finally succumbed to her wiles or whatever. That's interesting. Now, I, I didn't hear exactly that way, but you could be right. I, um, yeah, she's, look, I, I can't, I can't say, I don't get that, you know, um, deep into her, her story. I wrote a bit, I wrote a paragraph or two about some of her history and I raised some of these questions, but, um, I, you know, I, cause I have so much other evidence around these actually, and we, these agents that we know about, you know, in terms of, and in, in the evidence we know about regarding the uh, life and death of John Lennon, that. Um, I just focused more on them, the, the concrete evidence I had. Now, regarding Kurt Cobain, though, I'll just say, I mean, I'm sorry to leave Lennon if you don't want to leave Lennon just yet. But with Cobain, it was so much more um, clear cut in my mind. Now, uh, a guy named, uh, who I've become friendly with, uh, Ben Statler, who's an actor turned director, made a movie called Soaked in Bleach about um, Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love. And uh, he he just shows mounds and mounds of evidence of how Courtney Love played a part in uh, in Kurt Cobain's death. Let's um, let's break it here. Sure, we'll continue. I'm going to ask him more about motives on the part of the CIA and how he got interested. John Potash, Gene Steinberg, Jay Randall Murphy, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Let's continue with the story of Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love and all that, John. Go ahead. Sure. So, with Courtney Love, um, I was telling you about this CIA agent whistleblower named John Stockwell, and so I have him... In my film, I'd actually met him in 1990 at a lecture, and he told me some of this stuff face-to-face when I talked to him after his lecture, because I was working as a drug and alcohol counselor back in 1990 in Baltimore when he was visiting to lecture. So he, I have him in my film saying that, he was saying one film in 1989, I believe it was, that he knows from his fellow CIA agents and some of what's going on in Afghanistan, that since you know we lost uh, a lot of the supply of heroin from the Vietnam War area, we now were focused on the Afghanistan region and that the you know, CIA agents were flying out, you know, with all their different planes uh, from that region with loads of heroin into the United States. And so here they were bringing in, you know, loads of heroin. And so they had all this demand, they had all the supply. So I argue that they need to match demand, match supply. And the way they did that is to psychologically profile musicians the same way they did in the 1960s. Now, I'll just say in the 60s, they had also uh, targeted Mick Jagger because it came out in the London, the London Daily Mail that um, uh, undercover FBI agent Dave Schneiderman was also working for MI5 when he convinced Mick Jagger to use LSD for the first time. 
1967 at a party of Keith Richards and gave him his first hits of acid. And then police came in and arrested them, and they promoted the fact that they're all tripping, promoting acid that way. But they didn't, of course, arrest Schneiderman. They, you know. So anyway, so here we, we're in the late 80s, and they're, they're getting all this heroin into the United States in the early 90s. And so they, I, I argue that they psychologically profiled these musicians. Kurt Cobain had a massive stomach problem. He, he admitted in his journals that he tried uh, heroin about six times in four years between 1986 and 1990. And uh, so he produces Nevermind. It's rising up the chart extremely fast, you know, up the music charts. And into his life, all of a sudden appears this woman, Courtney Love. She's you know, dating Billy Corgan at that, at that night, you know, at this party. And she immediately leaves her date, Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins, and just leeches on to uh, Kirk Cobain. They start dating, and she gets um, knocked up. You know, she gets pregnant within a few months. But all their friends in Seattle, all the people that knew them in Seattle, said that she got Kurt Cobain using heroin daily for the first time in his life. It solved his massive stomach problem. Everyone knows that, like a tincture of opium is in, uh, you know, some of those, uh, like I forget the names of those things. But either way, so he solved this stomach problem a little bit with the heroin at first. Then he found, I have him, you know, one film saying he found a medication that finally worked for his stomach. A year before his death, he told Rolling Stone magazine this on film, and uh, he was so relieved they found you know a medication that worked for him after searching for so long. And so then there was a, a blood test done on Kurt Cobain a month before his death when he had a coma in Rome. And in that blood test, the doctor said there was no illegal substances in his you know, body at all, except for rohypnol. Now, rohypnol is also called roofies. And rohypnol was a sleep medication in England. And that's where, you know, it was Courtney Love's sleep medication. Because in England, you can use it for sleep legally. It's a legal drug in, in England. But so she was uh, hanging out in London at the time. She comes over to Rome with her daughter, Francis, to let, you know, uh, curtsy Francis while he's on tour in Rome. And he proceeds to go into a coma because uh, the best evidence is that she loaded a drink of his with lo loads of her rohypnol. And sent him into a coma, and, and of course you forget everything that happened because it's you know it's you know roofies. Now, as an addictions counselor, I'm a counselor myself, and I started as an addictions counselor, and now I of course counsel on other issues also. But someone who doesn't have heroin that's in their system must not have been using for at least three to five days because it stays in your system at least three to five days in detectability. And a heroin addict needs his heroin every single day. You know that too. I'm sure everyone knows that. Or you go through massive withdrawals. So he was obviously not a heroin addict, at least a month before his death. Yet, at his death, uh, Cyril Wecht, Ameri head of the American Academy of Forensic Science, at one time said on film that there was enough heroin in Cobain's system to, to kill at least three severe addicts. Okay, and Cyril Wecht also said on film for Channel 9 News in Pittsburgh, where he works, that um, he believes that Cobain was murdered and was made to look like a suicide. And I have him in my film saying that for you know, Channel 9 News. Yes, there's a lot of evidence that he was murdered and he was divorcing Courtney Love. I have his lawyer, Rosemary Carroll, on tape saying that, uh, that somebody copied his handwriting to produce this you know, supposed suicide note. And um, he, he was, you know, uh, divorcing Courtney at that time. He had told Rosemary Carroll to take her out of his will. 
And Rosemary Carroll said they were hateful by that time of his death. And uh, Courtney Love said, get me the best divorce lawyer you could possibly find. Um, and so that's what was going on at that time. Wow. What about this question? Um, he asked CIA. where, uh, no, who her real dad is. Yeah. So her biological dad was Hank Harrison. And so I interviewed him for about two hours. And because uh, he wrote a book called Love Kills about his, his daughter's you know, aid in the murder of Kurt Cobain. And the story of that is that so he him and his partner at the time, a woman who calls herself Linda Carroll now, they had Courtney, you know, they had Courtney Love together. And so but they separated after Courtney Love's birth. And uh, so they're co-parenting from afar, you know, separated. They never actually got married. But um, so when Courtney was about four or five years old, there was a custody battle. And now Linda Carroll's parents were a couple named the Reese's. They owned uranium mines. They owned huge stock in Bosch and Lum. They were ex extremely wealthy. And she, so in Linda Carroll's memoir, she said her father sexually abused her as a, as a kid. And so they paid off Hank Harrison's uh, lawyer to, to lose the case for him. And he lost complete custody of, uh, you know, Courtney Love. Didn't see her again for years. And he went into a depression, he said. So then come when she's about 13 years old, her, her mother had kind of given up on her. She's in a juvenile delinquent facility. And she writes a letter to, um, to Hank Harrison saying that you know, I, I've been uh, my count. You know, I've been, of course, she was going to counseling from the age of three years on, which is very bizarre. But she says, my counselors were giving me psychohypnotic drugs. And she listed the psychohypnotic drugs, which, which are exotic drugs that were part of MKUltra for, for use in hypnosis. And she also said, my counselors were all having sex with me. So, of course, you know, Hank Harrison uh, got her, you know, worked on getting her out of the juvenile delinquents uh, facility, got her in custody of her again, and didn't realize she had turned into a monster. She was leaving heroin syringes all over his house. She was prostituting. By the age of 14, a mainstream biographer named uh, Melissa Rossi wrote a book um, about Courtney Love where she identifies uh, Love as working uh, as a stripper for the Japanese mafia in Japan at 14 years old. And then she proceeded to work for the Taiwanese mafia uh, a few years later. And, in, and she got a hold of letters that, from that Courtney Love had written to an old boyfriend that said she was prostituting at that time. So this is just some of the crazy evidence of Courtney Love, but Courtney Love proceeds to visit Hank Harrison, when he's uh, doing research in Dublin for a, uh, a book, he was a writer. And so she had just turned 17 years old. She comes there to visit him. And a, a new guy befriended Hank Harrison in Dublin, the guy named Stephen O'Leary. And Stephen O'Leary latches on to Courtney Love, proceeds to, to travel with her for six weeks to, into uh, London. And she, she takes a thousand hits of acid to London and spreads them around to the musicians in Liverpool and, and London, and, like their candy. And she proceeds to copy the same, do the same thing in Portland, in Los Angeles, and in you know Seattle. And I show how that copies uh, Robert Lashbrook, what Robert Lashbrook did for the CIA's MKUltra program, you know, in the '60s. And so, um, when in 2005 or six or so, um, Stephen O'Leary is dying. He's on his deathbed, and um, he writes a letter to Hank Harrison. Hank Harrison says and he published. Hank Harrison puts that letter in a book of his "Love Kills," which he sent to me. Let's find out. Let's find out what was in sure. that letter in our next segment. This is a cliffhanger, folks. 
John Potash, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. This is George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens, and we're proud to promote amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Visit GCNLife.com for products like Luminesse. The Luminesse Anti-Aging Skin Care Line restores youthful vitality and radiance to your skin, reducing the appearances of fine lines and wrinkles with stem cell technology. There's also Instantly Ageless, which works within two minutes, reducing under-eye bags, fine lines, wrinkles, and pores. Jeunesse has products to help you with how you look and feel in a very short time. Noble-nominated Dr. Vincent Jampapa has designed several products helping the body perform better. Jeunesse products have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and they're available up to a 25% preferred price discount. See all of the amazing Jeunesse products at GCNLife.com or call toll-free 1-844-443-6637. 1-844-443-6637. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, just imagine, there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercial, just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. 
We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Do you like the way I do cliffhangers, John? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why don't you continue? This is part All two. Right. Yeah, so uh, Hank Harrison gets a letter from Stephen O'Leary saying that he was actually working for the CIA all that time that he was in Ireland. And so I I looked up, you know, uh, Stephen O'Leary and tried to find an obituary for Stephen O'Leary. And so Harrison had said he had um, died in Minnesota and he had written that letter in the mid 2000s. And I found a Stephen O'Leary with a brother who we, who um, he also you know described in that letter. Um, he also described as, I mean, Hank Harrison said the brother was started hanging around Stephen O'Leary and Courtney Love, too, whose name actually was Kevin O'Leary. And I don't know if that's coincidence or not, but Stephen O'Leary had a brother named Kevin O'Leary, died in you know, Minnesota in the mid 2000s. And he was hang. he used to be in Ireland. He was in Ireland for the in the 80s, just like, you know, it's at all testified to what Hank Harrison was saying. And he admitted working for the CIA over in Ireland during that time. And so, you know, here he is guiding the 17-year-old girl through London for six weeks as she passes out all this LSD to all these musicians and, and really messed up the you know, that musical scene, according to the musicians, you know, who talked about it there. But we're talking about like, without a man, Echo and the Bunny Man, the, po- the Pogues. I don't know if you know these London musicians. But um, so... Then she proceeds to go, as I said, and ruin these other music scenes. She marries a Los Angeles punk musician named uh, Moreland. And uh, this guy was actually the top punk musician in L.A. at that time. And he says he thought he was marrying a punk feminist. And he he ended up thinking he was married to a right wing Phyllis Diller because she told him that she uh, had sex with uh, army generals in Alaska who convinced her that the wars were actually all good for us. And so she proceeds when he doesn't follow her orders, she proceeds to have thugs come in and beat him up. So she he just got away from her the best wow. he could. And then then she goes and latches on to, of course, Kurt Cobain and you know, does what she does to him. So that's just some of the evidence I have about her and, you know, of course, the CIA. But there's a lot more. Well, I'm sure there's people out there who really have followed this a lot closer than I have. But a lot of this is is somewhat new to me and you know i'd heard that there was some shady stuff going on and but never knew that it was to the extent that you're describing if it's true it almost sounds like you know courtney is could be forgiven because she's been manipulated since the time she was a young child into this this life i'm not saying that it it excuses her but i'm i'm saying that now we can't just assume that she was you know some greedy wife who was just after the money this is far more complex than that yeah no i agree i i don't know 
you know, how messed up her mind is, but it's, you know, the techniques that she described that were going on with the uh, psychohypnotic drugs and the sex at a really early age, those are the techniques described by other, you know, researchers about how they produce dissociative identity disorder for right. um, what they call mind control assassins. And you right. are, uh, as an ad- or have been an addictions counselor with university yeah. qualifications, correct? Yeah, I've done counseling. I also have an expertise in trauma. And I've seen a number of victims of trauma at a very early age, and some of them become dissociative, and some of them do to develop dissociative identity disorder, yes. I have um, to ask you a question here, because we're moving deep, deep into the weeds of these subjects. What led you to become interested in any of this in the first place? Well, one of my grandfathers came from a town uh, called Trockenbrod in Ukraine. Um, Sofia, it was also called Sofievka, Ukraine. But And so that, that town was wiped out by uh, the Nazis because it was 95% Jewish and it was completely wiped out, taken out completely. It doesn't exist anymore. It's called Lost Town. My grandfather uh, came before that happened, but a uh, another Potash I was supposedly a cousin. I'm not sure how distant that cousin was, but she said she was the only survivor of that town that came to the United States. And she describes it. You can look up her name. Um, Betty Potash Gold is her name. She describes it. And so it's just, you know, having that in my history, I uh, just was more uh, interested in activism and genocide and anti-war. And, uh, you know, my parents were activists. My grand- One of my grandparents was particularly activist. So I was into social activism, and then I was also into music, of course. When I got into drug counseling with a psych degree right out of college, I would hear all these stories from my clients about saying that really the government is the biggest traffickers, the biggest you know, dealers of uh, drugs. You know, you know, I'm a small level dealer. They're the big dealers. And uh, you know, so I started exploring some of what they were saying and uh, being involved in the activism. I, I met people that were involved with the who gave me the Kerry report, uh, Senator Kerry's report on the CIA Contra crack cocaine, you know, scandal with Bush being involved with, you know, trafficking cocaine from the Contras and, you know, uh, the Nicaragua area of the United States. And so I found out a lot early on and just started researching more and more about all the drugs. And, and this is what I came up with. I have a fast question here and I want to relate it to something else in a moment. The CIA's uh-huh. supposed mission is foreign intelligence. So how did they get involved in drug running and all this other nonsense? Well, very early on, the British East India Company were one of the biggest opium shippers in the world. And uh, there was a number of American families, particularly the Russells, but uh, the Russells, the Cabots, the Lowe's, and, and some of this comes from, you know, the history of Yale and the history of some Harvard archives. You can see uh, stuff about these, these different families. But a guy named James Bradley wrote a book called Flags of Our Fathers that was turned into a Clint Eastwood movie. And he then ended up writing another book called The Imperial Cruise, where he identifies all the founders of these, uh, you know, of most, not all, but most of the Ivy League colleges and identifies how they all end up where actually came from opium money. They were opium shippers. The Cabots of Harvard, the Greens of Princeton, the Lowe's of, of Columbia, with Low Library. If you ever heard of Low Library in Columbia, I, I went to a new Low Library. But with uh, the Russells in Yale, 
they started a you know small group there called Skull and Bones, and it, you know in Harvard the Cabots started the Porcelain Club, which was similar. And each each Ivy League school had its little exclusive club. Each member that graduated from that club would get the you know today's equivalent of over two hundred thousand dollars upon graduation. So they get a huge start in life. So, but this all came you know from opium money. And so the Russells also so intermarried the Pierponts of John Pierpont Morgan fame. And then they had people, you know, groups, families like the Rockefellers graduated from Skull and Bones. And they were uh, intermarried with uh, the Vanderbilts, the Carnegies, you know, the Harrimans and all. And so this is, you know, the start of the United States. This is why they were all into opium shipping and uh, drug trafficking, because it was a huge, very profitable business. But I also argue that it was used for social control. And that's why they fought the opium wars in China in the mid-1800s. It wasn't just about making the money. It was There was so much opium abuse that they were kind of feckless as an army because they, they were all smoking mo- opium all the time. You know what? Let's find out more about this stuff and how the CIA got involved in this mess, and I'll relate that to a couple of other stories in a moment. John Potash, Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. President Trump supporters were gathering outside the Trump Tower this afternoon in New York City to show their support for the president as the Mueller investigation comes to a close. Many of the supporters were wearing Make America Great Again hats and waving American flags. We have people here from from everywhere. Uh, We want to show them that there's support up here in these liberal states because we tend to be forgotten about. The Justice Department has said that Congress could receive that special counsel report as early as Sunday. New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft is apologizing after being charged in a Florida massage parlor prostitution and trafficking investigation. Kraft said in a statement that he's truly sorry and he knows he has disappointed and hurt his family, friends, co-workers and fans and many others who rightfully hold him to a higher standard. Kraft said in the statement that he hopes to not be judged by his words, but by his actions, and through those actions, he hopes to regain people's confidence and respect. You're listening to USA Radio News. Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. 
The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800-280-2144-800-280-2144-800-280-2144. Call right now. That number again is 800-280-2144. Warning. If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from presidentialufo.com. You're listening to the Paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, very briefly, and some of our listeners may know this since there are conspiracy theories online, I had a relative who may or may not have been implicated in some kind of CIA drug-running operation in the 1970s where he Mm -hmm. was caught and charged with conspiracy. And he insisted that he was in touch with intelligence people. I don't know the truth. I guess we'll never know the truth because he's no longer with us. That relates to this. Let me give you one other thing, and then we go on to the stories. In the 1950s, height of UFO fever, Major Donald Kehoe, one of the key authors at the time, written several books, including Flying Saucers from Outer Space, The Flying Saucer Conspiracy, he was director of an organization called NICAP, National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. He took it over from somebody else. And he set up a board of governors consisting of prominent people. And one of those prominent people was a former classmate at Annapolis with Kehoe, Rear Admiral Roscoe Hillencotter. You know him as the first head of the CIA. That started conspiracy theories, let me tell you. I just wonder also the CIA has been looking into people who follow UFOs. Mm. Yeah, of course. Well, of course, Helen Cutter was one of the people who believed that UFOs should be investigated. I mean, that, that's getting you know a, a bit off track here from our, uh, our show today. But, yeah. um, John, mostly we do deal a lot in the paranormal. And uh, we might touch on some of these connections here that I'm putting together during the show in the after the Paracast. But, uh, you know, Courtney Love, just returning to her briefly, she did go on to warn about Harvey Weinstein. But I don't 
know that she's mentioned any of these other connections herself anywhere. Do you know if she's ever, you know, put in her own biography or any written about any of these experiences she's had herself or admitted to them anywhere? She's just touched on. She she says Hank Harrison gave her uh, LSD at an early age, but the way she says it, of course, she promotes. She says he did it to make me super smart to promote LSD, and then she also said that um, I also, you know, heard. I also know that crack makes makes people great at math. You know, using crack cocaine makes people great <laughs> at math. So uh, she actually said this for real in, I think it was a Barbara Waters interview, uh, you know, so she, this is kind of craziness she's promoting, but people, you know, looked up to her at a certain point and, um, you know, might even believe some of this, this stuff she says. So what can I tell you? Oh, okay. You know, I was just wondering, you know, what would you do if she came to you and said, you know, you're absolutely right about all of it. I want you to do a documentary. I'm, you know, I'm the victim here. I want to expose it all, but maybe she's just. Well, that'd be great if she did that. I just, (laughs) I I think she's too far gone to do something like that. You took the words right out of my mouth there. (laughs) Yeah. I guess if it was the Vietnam War in the 60s, then sort of what was more the agenda in the 80s with Cobain and the others? I guess we're still looking at the opium trade and and, uh, wars overseas. The cocaine trade. You know, I mean, you know, they, they were uh, the Reagan Bush administration were launching serious, uh, you know, counterinsurgency wars in Central America and South America. There was a lot of fights for independence. You know, we, I mean, the um, the Sandinistas fought against the dictator Somoza in Nicaragua and overthrew this the longtime U.S. supported you know dictatorship of Somoza family in Nicaragua and uh, did amazing things in Nicaragua once they overthrew him. According to the World Health Organization, they, you know, they just did incredible things that with literacy. Also, they they taught so many in Nicaragua to read for the first time because it was the Somoza family kept it, you know the populace so illiterate there in, in Nicaragua. You know, it was it was just a lot of different counterinsurgency programs. Plus, they were losing their kind of control over the populace of South America too. And a lot of these countries were involved in something called Operation Condor. And that had been the CIA had been very implicated in Condor, and that all started with, believe it or not, the um, harboring of Nazis in nineteen after World War II. Some of these powerful families I talked about, particularly the uh, Dulles, well, the Dulleses were the lawyers for the Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan interests before they became heads of head of CIA and Secretary of State. And so the Dulleses had helped, and you know, a number of these other agents for these families had helped the, really save thousands of Nazis. The estimates, the New York Times estimate was about 9,000 Nazis. Um, other estimates, uh, I have someone in my film, a German journalist, who says he believes that 50,000 Nazis were given haven down in the uh, Central and South America, mostly South America. What I show is that they were actually used as CIA assets in that they they had these incredible colonies in each of these countries and a number of these Operation Condor countries. And New York Times even admitted that um, a German doctor named Peter Schaefer had a German colony in Chile and uh, was accused you know, by a new government in Chile of sexually abusing loads of young boys. But he also was found to have a, you know, a army worth, worth of uh, weapons and a huge uh, set of intelligence files. And he had underground chambers where he was torturing uh, suspects, left-wing suspects, 
who, who would oppose the uh, right-wing dictator of Chile at the time, which was Pinochet, you know, um, General Pinochet, who was yeah. supported by the U.S. Pretty shady and, stuff there. What's the uh, uh, connection to any of that and, and the musicians? I guess once we start moving south, we could maybe look at people like Bob Marley. Is there any, are there any yeah. South American musicians that are? Yeah, there, there are. I know I, I mentioned, I'm pretty sure I mentioned them in both books, but there was a great, uh, f- like the nat- most popular uh, folk musician in Chile was, was killed under Operation Condor. Um, and uh, now I didn't show a drug connection to him, but, but they, these um, Nazis, you know, uh, Klaus Barbie was one of them. Um, they called, he was called the Butcher of Lyon. Um, Barbie led, it was teamed up with um, some the cocaine drug lords and led the cocaine coup in Bolivia. And they actually had a Nazi flag flying in the Andes um, after this cocaine coup. But I was in the 1980s in Bolivia. But so they were bringing tons of the cocaine up from there cheaply um, to the United States. And when it came to the United States, um, a guy named Gary Webb, who, who broke uh, the, uh, you know, had the first viral article on, on the Internet about the, the CIA Contra crack conspiracy. Um, he, he said that in his book, Dark Alliance, about it all. Now, he wasn't the only one to break this. Robert Perry of Newsweek and Associated Press had actually broken it before him, but he didn't get as much attention because, you know, they didn't have the viral internet articles back then, you know, and earlier. But, you know, they had the whole hearings on, on all this, and so you know all about it. Nonetheless, Gary Webb said one of the, you know, Freeway Erky Ross was the key national point man for the CIA assets that were bringing over the uh, cocaine from the, you know, the Honduras, Nicaragua areas of the United States. The Contras who were doing that. And then um, Free, Freeway Ricky Ross had two associates. And I forget the name of the first guy, but the other guy was a guy named uh, Harry, uh, Michael Harry O. Harris. Now, the interesting thing about Michael Harry O. Harris is he also started a uh, record company called Death Row Records. And, um, and when he started that uh, Death Row Records, he then ended up in jail, but his lawyer kept it going, Dave Kenner. And his lawyer then um, teamed up with a guy named Suge Knight, who kept running Death Row Records, and kept offering a, a young activist musician named Tupac Shakur tons of money to come onto Death Row Records. Before Tupac even got as big as he got, he was getting tons of money offered to him to come onto Death Row Records. And he didn't know why. Death Row Records was actually kind of associated with Interscope Records as being under the Time Warner, because Time Warner bought out Interscope, bought out like uh, 51% of Interscope uh, controlling interest, but also it started Death Row Records, gave $10 million to this upstart little Death Row Records to start out of nowhere and become super huge. What super huge are these announcements coming our way? No, that's bad. I don't know how huge they are, but we'll assume they are. John Potash, Gene Steinberg, Jay Randall Murphy, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug-out house that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Hey, this is 
this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Time Warner giving all this money to set up this record company. Yeah, so Time Warner uh, is generally, it's just interlocked with, you know, the top defense contractors. Um, they share boards of directors of the defense contractors, the pharmaceutical companies, the banks. And uh, so Time Warner also had a guy named Jackson, who was going back and forth between being vice president of Time Warner and head of psychological warfare for the U.S. government. You know, this is according to Francis Sterner Saunders, who looked through the trove of, of letters and records of C.D. Jackson. They're in um, a small city in the Midwest where C.D. Jackson originally came from, Charles Douglas Jackson. So Time Warner is intimately connected to U.S. intelligence. They start this Death Row Records. Death Row, Row Records proceeds to get a guy named Dr. Dre as their one of their top new rappers, and he came from NWA, which is really, really popular. Dre is now considered one of the top rap producers of all time because he produced Eminem, he produced other people that became really big. Parenthetically, uh, the company Dr. Dre was associated with Beats was acquired by Apple. Right, for a huge amount of money. Was it a billion or more dollars? Three billion. How much they bought that for? Right. And so then they get Snoop Dogg on there, and Snoop Dogg, you probably heard of, um, you know, you know, as I said, Tupac Shakur was born into the Black a Black Panther family. His mother was a one-time leader of the Harlem Black Panthers, a Fannie Shakur, brilliant young woman. And um, Tupac's father was Matulu Shakur, who was an acupuncturist who uh, solved drug addiction through acupuncture in the Bronx at Lincoln Detox. He was. Uh, he also started the Republic of New Africa, and which was a, a group that was in kind of a you know, in parallel to the Black Panthers and just doing good community act, uh, activist work. So Tupac, you know, is heading this New African Panthers and he's lured into rap because he thinks that's a better way to get across his message nationally. He's touring with Digital Underground, who had won a Grammy Award, I believe. And then he uh, gets this solo release with um, uh, Interscope, an upstart new music company called Interscope, started by uh, a guy named Ted Fields, who's father was Marshall Fields, who owned these uh, tons of department stores in Chicago. And so he gets, you know, that big break and comes and gets, he happens to be a um, Baltimore Museum of, um, I'm sorry, the Baltimore uh, School for the Arts trained actor, too. So Tupac gets a, you know, star acting role in uh, Juice and uh, then uh, then does um, Poetic Justice with John Singleton and uh, one of the Jackson women, uh, Janet Jackson. And so he starts, you know, becoming huge instantly. But the death, you know, the um, murder attempts start on, on him immediately, too. Right when his uh, MTV first video was released from his first, you know, solo album, Oakland police proceed to arrest him for jaywalking, choke him unconscious and smash his head against the curb repeatedly. What? Okay. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And so then there's a, um, a drive-by on his limousine when he's going to the first premiere of Juice, the film Juice. And then uh, he's um, at a Marin Fest as the honorary guest at this Marin Music Festival right, right near Oakland. And um, 
people shoot at him for no reason and the police just watch and only arrest Tupac and not these guys that shot at him for no reason. And then um, there's a situation in uh, New York where he's going to a, a recording studio, the quad recording studio to lay down a few tracks for seven, you know, a few thousand dollars, just a few lines for somebody. And um, he's shot twice in the skull while he's lying face down on the ground and it's supposed mugging. So Kathy Scott, a, a uh, Las Vegas Sun reporter, did a book about Tupac and Biggie Smalls. And in her book about Biggie Smalls, she says that she talked to the doorman at the uh, recording studio. And, you know, and he said that he offered the tape, the videotape of these guys that did this shooting of Tupac to the police. And the police turned it down and just closed the case. So that's some of what happened before he was even murdered, you know, finally murdered. But, um, you know, that's pretty shocking, really. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, is that more to do with some kind of black culture versus white supremacists or, or, or where did the where does the CIA drug thing fit into that? Because Tupac, after he left the New African Panthers, he had a new agenda, which was what he developed with his, you know, uh, imprisoned Black Panther was his black activist father, Matulu Shakur, which was to uh, pretend to be a gangster in order to appeal to gangs and politicize them because Tupac's Black Panther extended family were getting the Bloods and Crips in Los Angeles to call peace truces and turn on to activism and fight racism. And this started just before, really days before the LA riots. And it was kind of inspired by, you know, the Rodney King beating by the police that, you know, was such blatant, horrible police brutality. But they were being successful, the Black Panthers, and Tupac were successful at getting these, uh, you know, different gang leaders throughout Los Angeles and then throughout California to call peace truces and turn on to activism. And that was spreading throughout the country. And that was taking loads of dealers off the streets and turning them on to actually legal activities. There's so many gangs actually stopped drug dealing to the point that uh, the uh, Latin Kings in New York City, the, the largest gang in New York City, followed suit with that young lords the um, latina version of the black panthers influenced king tone antonio king tone fernandez just to get his gang the latin kings to stop drug dealing and, and turn on to activism so i showed the evidence that took billions of dollars out of the pockets of the cia, CIA drug traffickers and even more money out of the uh, money launderers in the banks and the multinational corporations that launder all this drug money Oh, I see. That's where the connection is. So you, what you're saying yeah. is that their supply was actually facilitated in part by the system. And then the system itself is also responsible for a huge part of the monetary workings. And, yeah. and it turns it helps turn the gears. And so all the people, yeah, when you get big money involved with almost anything and someone wants to shut off the tap, it's going to upset somebody. That's right. for sure. Yes. Wow. Okay. And so a, a high-level police officer named Russell Poole stumbled upon what was going on in Death Row Records. And he, he said he found that dozens of his fellow Los Angeles police officers were working at all levels of Death Row Records. And he says, what are they doing there? He asked his bosses. And, he, and they told him, you can call them uh, uh, troubleshooters or covert agents. And so this was reprinted in a book called Labyrinth about uh, Russell Poole and the whole Los Angeles police rampart scandal that evolved out of Russell Poole's investigation of death row records and Tupac and Biggie's deaths. 
So that book revealed a lot. Um, Nick Broomfield's Biggie and Tupac film revealed a lot of what Russell Poole found. And three top Hollywood actors. First, it was um, Sylvester Stallone tried to do a movie based, you know, and he was going to play Russell Poole. And it was announced in all the, you know, local movie magazines and all that. And it was canned. And then Leonardo DiCaprio was going to play Russell Poole. DreamWorks was behind it. They were into the making of the film. It was all proceeding accordingly. And then all of a sudden, Los Angeles Police Department, uh, obviously with incredible power and with their CIA associations, closed it down. And finally, Johnny Depp uh, was going to play Russell Poole. And uh, the whole, they were going to cover the whole labyrinth book and scandal and all that. And all that was going on Death Row Records and the killing of Tupac and Biggie. And it was actually got to the point that I saw the preview in my local theater in the summer, this past summer. And at the last minute, about a week before it was supposed to be released, or maybe two weeks or so, whatever, they closed it down. They didn't allow it to release. Why? Some powerful forces didn't allow it to release. But we don't so, know the details. We don't know the details, but uh, it's it's pretty amazing, you know, that these groups are so powerful that they can keep shutting down these uh, the revelations that Russell Poole had. And Russell Poole kept him. He he was forced to retire from the force early. Came out with his information, you know, as I say, um, a veteran reporter, Randall Sullivan, did his book Labyrinth about it. A uh, Nick Broomfield, who, who won loads of awards in England, did his film. Uh, you know, Biggie and Tupac about it. And, um, and then so Russell Poole kept investigating, but so he, he was handing over evidence of who he thought the actual shooter was of Tupac to his fellows, to some police officers he knew in Los Angeles and in the police precinct. And he suddenly coincidentally has a heart attack there. And, um, you know, uh, I, people close to him told me that there's, you know, loads of evidence that some of the culprits of all this were actually at that meeting that he didn't expect to be there and they did something to him. It wasn't a heart attack, but he died in 2015 and I've been talking to his son since then. Let's do a break uh, here. Yeah. time. More with John Potash, Gene Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great t-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com. Stop by and take a shopping tour. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92 
$1,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With John Potash, what we can do is say, just talk. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's fascinating. I would just sit back and listen because you have a way of weaving all these threads together that sort of almost answer the questions that are coming up as you're talking. I'm thinking, oh, I got to ask about that. And then all of a sudden, you're you're right into it. So, uh, yeah, by all means. it's really informative. Have you ever had any threats yourself or any veiled threats or, you know, people following you or? I, I think they censor me. I mean, I, I basically, they haven't allowed, you know, my film didn't get out in the theaters. A distributor got it and decided he's just going to put it out online digitally. But um, I, th- I just think it's been censored so much um, online and other places. And, you know, you've read the, as you said, people are attacking me from all different angles. Right. Um, Yeah, we talked about that a little bit before the beginning of the show. So, you know, would you like to respond to any of that negative criticism? Like, what about the accusations that York is essentially just left-wing propaganda designed to attack the right, or that the evidence you cite is simply a collection of bits and pieces from other sources rather than anything truly original? Yeah, I I guess I've lost track of really what left-wing and right-wing even means anymore. So originally, you know, in my first book, I did put the term leftist activist in, you know, somewhere in the title. And then my second book, uh, Drugs as Weapons Against Us, the first book, again, was the FBI War on Two Box Corps and Black Leaders. And in the subtitle, I have the word leftist. In the second book, Drugs as Weapons Against Us, I changed the term leftist to and just said activist um, because I'm starting to believe that you can't even go by these terms. These terms, right wing and left wing, seem to split us. When most of us in this country have similar values, whether we consider ourselves right wing or left wing, we don't like war. We don't like people being killed en masse. And, you know, and most of us don't believe in racism. We believe in equality. You know, to me, that's not left wing or right wing. That's just like a basic night, you know, good human value, you know. So I, I just don't even know. I mean, most of what I talk about really is is anti-war and and anti-racism. And so um, I think there's plenty of right-wing people that feel the same way. They're anti-war and anti-racism. I've actually been interviewed by people that consider themselves very right-wing, and they've been ardent supporters of my work. So I, I, you know, I've been supported by far-left and far-right people. And, you know, you mentioned 
Infowars and Caravan to Midnight. John Wells used to be on uh, Coast to Coast. Uh, has interviewed me twice. You know, Infowars interviewed me twice, and uh, guy just interviewed me from uh, can't remember the name of the radio station, but his name's uh, Pastor Butch. And uh, everything he talked about made me think. Yes, he's you know he, we have different values on certain areas. He's he's definitely much more right wing than I could ever consider. You know my values. And my values, I've always considered as left wing. Yes, it's true. But uh, I, I don't even know where I stand now because, you know, the basic tenets of, uh, you know, anti-war and anti-racism are, I think, are pretty universal. I, that's all I can say. To be fair, too, uh, from the reviews that I was reading prior to the interview here, um, most of these negative responses, they don't actually counter any of the points that you make. They just try to spin it into this uh, left wing, right wing thing, which almost seems like a red herring. It's like, okay, well, so what if it's left wing or right wing? What about the facts of the situation? Exactly. You know, what's true and what's not true, and what's conjecture and what's not conjecture? And from what I can tell, yeah, there's the threads are tenuous in some circumstances, but when you get so many of them that seem to add up to, or at least point in the same direction, it's pretty hard to ignore yeah and then some of the people i put on in my film like cyril weck who i described before you know who talks about the kurt cobain death he's been on fox news he's been on cnn he's been on msnbc he's been on channel 13 you know i mean abc nbc cbs he's in his early 80s now and he's just considered one of the top national experts uh, forensic investigators and he's, you know, he's a doctor. Um, he was actually also in that film Concussion, uh, you know, in fictional form. You know, they'd say his name, I think, at one point. The but, one with uh, Will Smith? Yeah, with Will Smith. because That's he, a good he, movie, yeah. He plays yeah, a serious actor in that. Cyril Wecht, his supervisor, is Will Smith's supervisor in that film. I mean, like, you know, it's about a real person, and Cyril Wecht's the real person who really was yeah. a supervisor. Yeah. And so, um, you know, uh, he just says the facts as they are. Yeah. From what he can determine about Kurt Cobain, he was murdered and it was made to look like a suicide. So, you know, when you get people like that and when you get CIA whistleblowers and FBI whistleblowers, like I have in my film, I've got John Stockwell I mentioned. I've got CIA whistleblower uh, Phil Agee, uh, FBI whistleblower Wes Swearingen, who was part of the FBI's counterintelligence program, which was working with MKUltra and with MH Chaos. You know, these guys, um, they, I don't know where they consider themselves politically, and it doesn't really matter. They're just about revealing the truth, you know? Okay, so how about a little conjecture here then, uh, extrapolation maybe. Uh -huh. If we go back in, into the history on some of this, we probably all remember Reagan's big war on drugs. Yeah. Right? So, you know, on one hand, they're saying, no, don't take it. This is your brain on drugs. Right. And they had the eggs and, and then the eggs in the frying pan. And right. so, it, I mean, if the government was spending all that money trying to get people off of drugs, then how does it in any way make sense to have these the secret program going on to try to keep people hooked on it? And on the other side of things, yeah. well, I argue it's a reverse psychology kind of method. First thing, they make it a black and white issue. They, you know, these comical. I, I learned about drugs through cartoons, and it's always they make it a cartoon issue. Yeah, sure. You know, if you pretend like all these drugs will kill you, and then when you try weed and it doesn't kill you, you know, like I remember the cartoons when I was in elementary school. 
saying if you add weed plus alcohol, you can die. You know, it's absurd, of course. <laughs> then, you, then you smoke a little weed and you drink a little beer and you don't die. You're like, this, everything you're saying uh, is fraudulent, you know? And um, so, you know, I think what it is is they, they put things in black and white. They don't explore the nuances of all these drugs. And they don't, you know, and they, uh, I think it is some reverse psychology when people are saying, well, we hate Reagan and we, uh, you know, he's leading us to all these wars and doing all these terrible things. So if he doesn't want us to, to do acid, it must be good for us, you know. And that's actually what I heard from some Columbia students when I was in grad school there is that like, if the government doesn't want us to do it, it must be good for us because they, they appeal to these anti-establishment, you know, young activists that way. And uh, I tried to tell them, well, you know, I thought that too when I was in college, but it turned out it just, it really wasn't good. And then when I explored it more, I found that even though I had never had bad trips, it just really was doing something, you know, a little harmful. And you know, I hope you don't want that, even though, you know, it might be fun for a moment for a few, eight hours. You're not going to like how it feels afterwards when you can't remember your, you know, what you studied and it's hard to remember things and, you know, figure out things for your assignments and all. Well, then again, uh, wasn't there an assassination attempt on Reagan? If I yeah, so I yeah, I do. It was an assassination on Reagan, and it's funny because it, it really was Bush. They wanted in office, and they didn't think Bush could actually win the presidency. Reagan was just a puppet. Where Bush was part of the fam, one of the you know families that were kind of uh, in cahoots with the Rockefellers, Harrimans, and J.P. Morgan interests. You know, uh, Prescott Bush was head of Brown Brothers Harriman, which was a group that was actually trading with the Nazis. They were found guilty of trading with the enemy. And so, yeah, they wanted Reagan, the puppet, out because he wasn't a good, they wouldn't trust him as a puppet enough, and they wanted Bush in there, yeah. Interesting. So, uh, well, of course, I'm in Canada. I don't know if we mentioned that yet, but up here... Yeah. We've now got uh, legalized marijuana for recreational purposes, so long as you're of age. So what, what do you think about decriminalization? Do you, do you think it would be more helpful than harmful in the, in the long run? Or what, how, how does that fit into all that in your way of thinking? Yeah, I mean, in, in some ways, I, I wish it was decriminalized in the sense that I don't want people, uh, so many young people locked up over such a small crime. That's ridiculous to me. We'll talk about sure. that sure. briefly. Get back to the conspiracies with our vast, vast, vast <laughs> group of guests with John and Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. 
For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in this free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call them toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. Homemakers. Groceries by mail ships free. Try our amazing bacon. It stores in your pantry. No refrigeration required. Our value-added packaging provides a 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Always price less than grocery for your everyday use. Savory and delicious. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771. For your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Don't want to focus endlessly on drugs and sentencing and all the permutations. I think we all know that so many people spent so many years in jail for very, very minor drug offenses. In terms of minor offenses, there is someone in Texas now, a woman, who accidentally submitted a ballot when she was not eligible to vote. Accidentally. Nobody disputes that. She was 
sentenced to five years in prison. Go ahead, please. Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. And, and people, you know, some of these people get caught with mass voter fraud. Like we're talking about, you know, paying preachers to uh, sway their congregants to, you know, vote a certain way, like, or to stay away from the polls or, or you know, or computer voter fraud that affects vast amounts of people and they're not, they're, you know, they don't get locked up. But um, in the sense that, you know, with weed, you know, no, I don't think people should be locked up for you know, small quantities of weed. Of course not. And, um, you know, in my book and my film, I don't really address criminalization, decriminalization, except to, to say that they are using weed as an excuse to lock up tons of people. And they did in the 60s, they used it as an excuse to lock up um, some key activist leaders like John Sinclair had the White Panthers. But at the same time, I wish people wouldn't smoke weed as much because I think it makes you, you know, it makes us all a little stupider, a little hazier. And you know, we can't usually <laughs> perform our best activism when we're a little stoned, you know, when we're very stoned. And these days, actually, it's a lot stronger than it was in the 60s, a lot stronger. And so when I read a book called Tell Your Children by Alex Berenson, it actually gave me a new view of weed where it's it's gotten a little more serious than it was ever in when we were, I was growing up in the eighties and, you know, you guys in the sixties and all that. Well, what I remember about it, it, you know, I grew up through the seventies and stuff is, and I, I always figured, well, I just missed that sort of peace activism thing. And to, and to me, the whole symbol of uh, the marijuana leaf was essentially went hand in hand with the peace symbol. So I suppose, you know, one could surmise that if they're trying to discredit an anti-war culture, then one of the best things to do or one of the things they could do is to turn them into criminals. And yeah. that would just, you know, certainly discredit them, I suppose. I don't know about necessarily all of the claims about whether or not it makes you stupider or, or what. It's never been my experience that it's done that. But maybe it got I, stronger <laughs> in the 80s, you know. Well, if I've ever done it, I've, I've just gotten down to doing some uh, house cleaning or some guitar practicing or something creative. And uh, it's, it's never been a problem for me. But, uh, you know, maybe I'm just an anomaly in that respect. Did, did you but, try to write a really cogent essay, though, when, you know, for an article or something like that? Oh, yeah, I've done that. Um, well, I mean, they're, they're, sure. I mean, I'll admit it. I've, I've inhaled. And, uh, you know, it's the first yeah. time I've sort of admitted this on the show. I, I, I wouldn't recommend it as a investigative tool for uh, <laughs> paranormal investigation but there does seem to be some evidence that you know the measured and positive use of psychedelics and maybe marijuana can enhance per our perceptions and perhaps contribute to creativity in the arts and sciences and there's some people who have made those claims yeah. and so you know i think maybe in some regards this whole plan they have a backfire has you know it's really backfired with some people while at the same time, it's like this double-edged sword almost. Well, I, I could see that. Yeah, I could agree with that. Maybe, maybe for weed in some sense, except um, I, I tell people I counsel that you just never know what you're smoking, though, because every dealer that touched it before you did had is access to your brain. And so some people I've counseled who were bulk dealers would say we would spray uh, roach killer on our weed so the wet rats wouldn't eat it all our stash where we stash yeah. it. Then you're smoking roach killer, you know. So and that's why I quit doing it for years until it recently became legal because now we have quality controls and they can't yeah. do that sort of Sense. stuff anymore. There's a government seal on it, there's a guarantee of quality. And so, yeah. 
Uh, you know, I don't know that's any better than the stuff that was back in the 70s, but at least there's some quality control. Yeah. And the only other thing I'll say about weed, though, is, yeah, I, I don't say much about weed in the sense of, uh, in my introduction, I say, you know, uh, plenty of people I know, of course, smoke weed, but it's just a matter of every now and then's fine, but people that smoke weed every day, it starts to get, you, you start to see an effect. But kids, when they start smoking weed at like 13 or 14 years old, you see it affect grades, you see it affect their best abilities with, you know, sports and other things where it doesn't have the best outcomes. With the people I counsel, when I counsel teenagers, I don't, I see them dropping out of school way young and it makes life a lot harder. You know, when when you're talking about young people, I mean, there's an age limit up here for it. I think some of the states down there have have gone towards legalization or it is legal in some, which I think is probably a step in the right direction. Uh Uh-huh. You know, maybe just to get back on track with the show. Sure, because I don't really talk about any of this stuff in my book or film. I just, except for, you know, the mass incarceration of people, I, I am against that. Yeah. We, you know. So some of these connections, though, that you have between the oligarchy and, and the entertainment industry, the government, and in particular, the intelligence and military, mm-hmm. uh, and these secret mind manipulation programs, this is all really still quite fascinating. Can you delve into that? I don't even think we've touched on like the Grateful Dead or Bob Marley yet. Yeah, well, sadly enough, with Marley, I have a whole chapter of him in my book, in both my books, actually, because now granted, he was, you know, smoking weed regularly and all that, but the CIA was seriously pushing cocaine and heroin in Jamaica in the, uh, you know, in the 70s and 80s. And there was a socialist prime minister of Jamaica that Marley was friends with. And so he was going to do a big concert during the next, you know, right before the next election, which was the socialist prime minister against um, the a CIA-backed, you know, opponent. And so soon before the concert, now people, you know, were, the CIA was worried that the concert was going to be seen as a, total, a complete endorsement of the, uh, you know, current socialist leader. So they shot up Marley's home. They shot Marley. They, sh- they shot his wife. They shot his manager, Don Taylor. So the government had him like uh, taken into an encampment, surrounded with soldiers, surrounded with Rastas, with to protect Marley before this concert. And so a cameraman uh, actually got into uh, a camera crew that was going to do a film about this whole concert. And um, a guy named Lilu Lee was a former Black Panther who was also sent, turned into a cinematographer. He said that um, this guy, he didn't know who this new technician was, but he, was a, he had a great resume, so they thought he'd be helpful. And this guy um, ends up, he says, it turns out they found out that he was, he was actually a CIA agent. And they believed he was the um, son of, uh, he was actually, I think his name was, I forgot his first name all of a sudden, but he was the son of William Colby, the one-time CIA director. And so he gave Bob Marley, he brought some shoes with him, gift shoes. He gave Bob Marley his gift boots. And the Rasta kind of tradition is to like try on a gift and once you, you know, as soon as you get it. And so he tried on these gift boots and was stabbed in the toe with something. So no one thought anything of it. Lee Lou Lee said he saw it, but he didn't think anything of it at the time. But a few months later, um, Marley uh, crushed that toe playing soccer. And they found that it had cancer. And then cancer. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a good way to start. To sure. Stop right here. He had cancer. More to come with John, Gene, Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank 
you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNlife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNlife.com or 844-443-6637. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. There are reports Attorney General William Barr can reveal the principal conclusions of Special Counsel Robert Mueller's Russia report as early as today. Politicians from both parties urging a quick release. Barr is reportedly reviewing that report at the Justice Department. Officials say there's no timetable for reopening a portion of the Houston Ship Channel, one of the busiest waterways in the nation, after another setback caused flammable chemicals to seep into the water near a fire-ravaged petrochemical tank farm. Coast Guard Incident Commander Kevin O who ordered it closed on Friday, said late yesterday, I will reopen the impact of portions of the ship channel once we're able to determine the hazardous conditions do no longer exist and we're able to recover any visible product that is on the waterway. No winter last night, so Powerball rises to about $750 bucks. And this is USA Radio News. There's no question you need omega-3s. But which form should you take? Fish oil or krill oil? Scientists have debated this for years. Luckily, there's a new solution to satisfy everyone. It's called Krill Omega 50 Plus. It combines ultra-pure fish oil and joint-soothing krill oil together in just one tiny pill. It's so powerful, it can promote the health of your heart and your arteries. And if that wasn't enough, it can also boost your joint comfort in just days. We're so sure Krill Omega Omega 50 Plus will work for you. We'll even send you a free bottle to put to the test. The debate is over. It's not fish oil or krill oil. It's both. And now it's free. Just pay $4.95 for shipping and claim your free bottle. Call now. 1-800-399-6392. 1-800-399-6392. That's 1-800-399-6392. Many people believe they don't control their own destiny because they haven't chosen to take the first step towards the life they've always dreamed of. Let them continue just getting by while you make the choice to do something about your future. Imagine working from home, earning the income you deserve. Start small or dream big. Work part-time or full-time. You choose the pace. Just visit startlivingyoung.com. That's startlivingyoung.com. 
and click on the Be Your Own Boss tab. Discover Juness, a state-of-the-art global health products company that spent five years on the Inc. 5,000 fastest-growing private companies in America list. With over a billion a year in sales, they'll provide all the tools you need to thrive and succeed. And you'll be blown away by how little it takes to get started. Visit StartLivingYoung.com today and click on the Be Your Own Boss tab at the top of the page. 2019 will be the year your new life begins. Your destiny awaits at StartLivingYoung.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. With John Potash, we are flies on the wall. So somebody yeah. is getting cancer here with the implication there was some hanky-panky with shoes? Yeah, and MKUltra was experimenting with uh, different chemicals that would be hypercarcinogenics, you know, could cause cancer fast. And so I have the documents supporting that. I mean, you know, it's, this has been well-researched and they revealed, they got about 3,000 of the MKUltra documents revealed. Um, the CIA had ordered them all shredded, but 3,000 were left in the finance department. And the U.S. Senate Church Committee came out with these documents. But anyway, so here it is in Jamaica. He gets, you know, he gets stabbed with the uh, pin in his, whatever it was, in his boot. He gets cancer in that toe, and it's quickly spread throughout his body. And a few years later, he was dead. You know, so it turns out he does the concert, though. You know, at the time, he did the concert. The Socialist Prime Minister won that next election, but the uh, then lost the election after that. But uh, about around the time of the next election, um, Bob Marley died of cancer. So, you know, it's just highly it's believed by his um, manager, Don Taylor, that that CIA agent um, actually put something, you know, hypercarcinogenic in, in that shoe that, that got into a system and killed him. You can do it that fast? Just well, give somebody four, some infected years, shoes? It took about four years or so. Takes about four like years. 76 to 80 or something like that, maybe 76 to 81. He died within four or five years. Well, this is one way to get rid of some death spot in another country. Send them a free pair of shoes. Well, yeah, well, you know, it, of course, you know, more people would be uh, suspicious, I guess, of getting these shoes. But, but at first they tried to shoot them and kill them, and they, they were unsuccessful. But then they, they got to them that way, obviously. I wonder if anyone's got those boots, like as a, some sort of, you know, memento or collector's thing that they could actually get them tested by somebody. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I haven't heard if anyone found the boots that caused I, I don't know. I mean, that'd be, that would probably go for quite a bit in an auction. You'd think, yeah. But you, you were asking about someone else, too. I'm sorry. Uh, Grateful Dead, I think. Grateful They're, Dead. Yeah. Well, the Grateful Dead are very interesting because of the fact that they were the house band of the acid tests. That was Ken Kesey and the Pranksters. And um, Ken Kesey uh, was a graduate student at Stanford for writing, and he was also supposedly an alternate on the Olympic wrestling team. He apparently had you know, barely even gotten drunk before in his life because he was so into you know wrestling at the time. But he he was hurting for money, and so um, they were offering about one hundred fifty dollars to you know in today's prices, whatever, for him to try the LSD. 
in an experiment at the Stanford Hospital. Now, this was all part of what uh, <laughs> oh, wow. was part of the Human Ecology Fund. Okay, there was something called the Human Ecology Fund in the early 1960s that was uh, out of Cornell Medical School. But Anthropology Today found out, you know, it had come out with a big article saying this was actually CIA money. It was coming off from MKUltra. Um, it was all CIA money coming into the Human Ecology Fund, and they were spreading these grants to you know, site professors at about 45 different colleges, about 40 or 50 uh, hospitals, and 40 or 50 prisons around the country to test psychedelics on people. And so Timothy Leary was part of those grants, of course, but many, many site professors were. And in Stanford, it was, you know, they were running these experiments out of a Stanford University Hospital where Ken Kesey was tried acid. And then after he did the acid experiments, he was given a job at the hospital as a janitor. When they gave him that job, they then also gave him the keys to the, psych to the LSD supply. He, he proceeds to steal, quote unquote, steal loads of LSD <laughs> and oh, uh, proceeds to have house parties, a continual house party, just like the Millbrook Mansion where Timothy Leary was having these parties. These parties, uh, you know, uh, the Merry Pranksters were part of these parties, but they lured a lot of writers and artists around the area to these parties. But then they uh, created this psychedelic bus. And some of the people involved in creating the psychedelic bus were um, a guy named Ken Babs, who just came out of the military, other who was actually still in the military. They picked up the psychedelic bus. The bus, psychedelic bus, has loads of music on it. It's got um, a guy named Augustus Owsley Stanley III, better known as Owsley, was a member, as part of this Merry Pranksters and the psychedelic bus, and he helped set it all up and supplied um, uh, lots of acid after uh, Ken Kesey stopped getting the acid, you know, they were stealing from the, the supply in Stanford. And so this is 64, 65, when they take this bus to New York for an, an event in New York from Stanford, New York. But they do a route that goes all through the Civil Rights South, all through the southern states, and then come up to New York. And I, I argue that that was part of their agenda against the Civil Rights Movement, was promoting uh, LSD to all these young white activists that were coming down for Freedom Summer. They end up in Watts right after the uh, race riots there. They, you know, activists call them race rebellions, and they're driving through promoting LSD in Watts. I mean, not in Watts. I'm sorry. I mean, in uh, Harlem, right after the race riots in Harlem, and they're promoting LSD there. And then they come back to to the San Francisco Bay Area, you know, near Stanford, and they're having cut these acid tests I told you about before. And their house band for the acid test is the Grateful Dead. And also in attendance are John Ginger. He said in a legal deposition. Him and two of his fellow CIA scientists were there, you know, from MKUltra. And some other MKUltra agents are also there. So they're attending these acid tests. And then they take the acid test down to Los Angeles and they go to Watts right after the, uh, you know, largest Los Angeles race riot of, of that era in the Watts riots. And they're having this band play and they have these huge bats of, of Kool-Aid that are spiked with LSD. And some people knew they were spiked and some people didn't. But here they are in this black neighborhood of Watts. <laughs> oh, man. And all these blacks are coming in to hear the music and dancing. And they're, they're drinking all this acid, all this you know, Kool-Aid that has acid in it. You know, I have a, I have a guy actually in the uh, bonus features of the film. I have a guy describing it, um, you know, that it, everyone went into a complete meltdown at a certain point. But, um, yeah, yeah I imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> um, couldn't control the amount of acid you were taking in these. Oh. You know, 
Yeah. yeah, especially if people didn't know. I mean, that's that's yeah. that part's not cool at all. Yeah. I mean, okay, so there's this magic bus. I mean, was that like? I wonder if that song the Who did. Yes, I think was it a, was. Yeah, that was, and and also Magical Mystery Tour was was uh, reportedly based on you know allusion to the magic bus. Yeah, they show a picture of um, the Beatles on this bus, you know, and you know going across the cover of Magical Mystery Tour, or whatever it is, and that's that was their plan. That was the way they did it. Here's this weird, wild underground fun party bus, and look, hey, let's write about it. You know, that's that's promoted in these songs. Yeah, Leah, part of me thinks, yeah, I really was born just a little too late. <laughs> but and on the other hand, this is a really interesting look at, at an aspect of it that probably few people really know about. So, uh, you know, thanks for bringing this to us. Sure. What's going on today with this sort of stuff? Do you, have you got any kind of an inkling of, you know, is this still going on to some extent or what's happening? Yes. Yes, it is still going on. And some of the way it's still going on is uh, the Human Ecology Fund had a lot of links to a new group that's going on still today called the Multi- Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, MAPS. There's many links between MAPS and a guy named uh, William Picard, who was arrested in 2001, who was considered the largest LSD uh, trafficker in the country. And he was making his LSD in um, a missile silo, okay? Supposedly abandoned <laughs> missile silo. some irony. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just so bizarre, you know? So a lot of his very powerful associates weren't arrested, only him. So he seemed to be the fall guy. But uh, his associates were associated with MAPS, a Harvard uh, psychiatrist um, whose name leaves me now, a guy named Halpern. His name is Halpern. And um, another guy who was working for the government, but even Picard was on the payroll of the government at some point. Hello. Yeah. Break time. Yeah, sure. Okay. Final segment, John, Gene, and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. The United States of Empire is a book that claims the United States is the empire of the world. George Washington had warned us against foreign wars. The United States of Empire shows that World Wars I and II left England broken. Its former colony, the U.S., had to save the empire. Was there ever a vote? 
who do we fight for? The Deep State began with World War I, The United States of Empire by James Dunn, available at Amazon Books. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Pain in my neck, back, and shoulders has really gotten worse. Relief for body pain is here with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Well, the last thing I want is to take another pill, so what's so good about Sunny Bay Heating Pads? Sunny Bay Heating Pads, made by Biomed DB Design right here in the USA, come in all sizes. Our extra-large microwavable heating pad for back pain is designed to be large enough to cover your entire back. It's also perfect to wrap around your legs, knees, or shoulder and neck. But I need to know they're good quality. Of course, Sunny Bay heating pads and pillows are often an Amazon choice and it's easy and most affordable when you purchase your Sunny Bay heating pads right from our website sunshinepillows.com or call us 253-678-1361 Hey, a Sunny Bay heating pad would make a great gift, right? Yes, and they start at just $19.99 and free shipping is available. So call 253-678-1361 or shop for your Sunny Bay heating pad at sunshinepillows.com Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. This is our final segment. We're bringing everything back to the present day, and maybe we'll have to continue somehow. Go ahead. Thanks. So the other, the other two other biggest institutes there, uh, I argue, have the same connections as uh, Human Ecology Fund to the CIMK Ultra of the past, but it's probably continued, is uh, the Hefter Institute, which is funded by the Rockefellers. The Rockefellers put money into both you know, MAPS and the Hefter Institute. And then the, the third biggest institute supporting all this, and, they, and their, their mission is promoting psychedelics. And they say it. They, they promote studies of psychedelics for healthy use in their own sites. You know, I mean, they, they fund studies all over the world to have doctors do tests that promote the use of LSD for all kinds of things. So the third group is the Beckley Foundation, and they are just um, amazing because they're started by a woman named Fielding, 
who first tried to popularize tree panning. And tree panning is what I told you um, much earlier on in our radio interview, which was what John Lennon tried to do. Something like that on some other show, Black Sails or something. And it was just like a pirate show where they were like, it's really an old technique. Like it's, it's barbaric almost. You know, it's one thing if if you have to do it, if somebody's, you know, gone through massive head trauma and you got to, you know, relieve the inflammation. But we're talking about normal, healthy people doing this to their own skulls. So this woman fielding actually did that on film to her own skull. She was a baroness. She's an aristocrat. She's has her own. She grew up in a castle. I think she still owns castles. And so she comes from a massive amount of money. She's royalty. And so she starts this foundation that promotes psychedelics for, you know, all kinds of medical usage and says it's the greatest thing and, you know, holds these psychedelics conferences with MAPS and the Hefter Institute. And, and that's what's being passed as like real science these days um, in terms of their study. They're promoting these studies that, that ecstasy is the best treatment for PTSD. The uh, newspapers, sadly enough, are reporting this crap is real. I mean, you know, I, I, as a trauma expert, have been taught, been trained for hour, you know, 50 hours of training in the use of something called EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing for treatment of, of uh, PTSD and also a few other techniques. But these techniques aren't invasive at all, involve no chemicals, and they do work really well for PTSD. The military even says EMDR is one of the best techniques for PTSD, yet these guys are trying to say, ecstasy you know using mdma is the best thing for ptsd and of course ecstasy was originally an mk ultra drug and ecstasy was um found to be used in apartheid south africa distributed by the head of chemical warfare in the black ghettos if there was anything i could say that would sort of counter any of that is that that I guess when it comes to the use of these kinds of substances, there could be, I think, I would ask if you know of any, but I, I think there probably are some cases where legitimate scientific therapeutic controlled studies and uh, use might be beneficial for some people. But what you're describing <laughs> where some you know, aristocrat in a castle who has no formal scientific training just decides to popularize it. I'm not sure that that's the best way to go. So it's really important, I think, if would you agree that if anyone is going to try these things, that they are dangerous unless they're used in the supervision of actual trained professionals who know what they're doing? Yeah, I, I would say that. But I, I would say that we have to even question the authorities and the trained people because of the fact they've been so corrupted in our country. They, I feel like England's a little less corrupted, even though it's you know some problems in England. But our country is so corrupted these days that these MKUltra type experiments. That there's a mental health uh, hospital in Baltimore that was using acid as therapy way into the 70s and started in the 60s, and they were funded by the Human Ecology Fund originally. Right. Mm-hmm. I just question authority on these issues too. Uh, sadly enough. Well, I think we have to. We have to see both sides of, of the equation here on this. And, and I mean, we know that things like uh, opium poppies are used in a variety of medications. It can of be course. really bad, but it can also be really helpful under certain, you know, when used, when it's supposed to be for the right reasons. So, right, sure. So, yeah, it's, of course, it depends on the use that way, too. I agree with, with opium. And um, I don't know if cocaine can be used in a healthy way, but. 
but a lot of these drugs, even when they're not processed, um, like coca leaf can be fine for people. People like, you know, talk about these, uh, people in Central America who chew coca leaves and say, oh, they're addicted to coca leaves. No, that's not the case. You don't get addicted to coca leaves. You get addicted to cocaine. For some reason, the processing of these chemicals is what makes them addictive. But a coca leaf giving you more energy to walk up a mountain, that's just a good, healthy use of it. When you have to use it so much, it starts to hurt your life in various major ways. That's when it starts to become an addiction and a problem, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I think as an addictions counselor, yeah, that part is obvious and you'd have to, I'd have to agree with that completely. So is there anything you'd like to, to say just to wrap up? Well, guys, if you want to see all the people I was talking about in this interview, you can see them in my film, Drugs as Weapons Against Us, the CIA War on Musicians and Activists. But granted, that's like a, it's a two-hour film, and uh, two-hour films are based on about like 60-page scripts. I'm sorry. The book is about 450 pages, so all the details you can find in the book and all the endnotes for the sources there and all that stuff. I appreciate you guys, you know, talking about all this controversial stuff and helping uh, your listeners find out more about it all. Let me ask you a vast question here. Sure. If you were to ask anyone in the government uh-huh. about any of this, would they just say, oh, that's a lot of nonsense? It's wacky? What kind of response would they have? Well, or have you asked them? Well, in 1991, I attended a conference that Ramsey Clark was speaking at, and he's the former U.S. Attorney General under Lyndon Johnson. I was working as an addictions counselor then, you know, and I said, what do you think the government is using drugs for? You know, what what do you think they're doing with drugs? And he said, well, I think the government is using drugs to sedate and divide the masses. So that's one of the highest up former government officials in his response. Of course, that was partly what helped me develop my theories, of course, was his response. If I would ask someone now who's deeply involved in it, I don't even know how I would ask him in a way that I wouldn't be scared. But I guess I'd say, do you really want to hurt so many lives? Don't you think you could just try to convince people of of, which, of the way you want things to be? But I, I just feel like their answer would be, no, they know better. They know they can't convince all these people to say, give me all your money because, you know, and here's how we can control you to so we can have more of your money and you can have less of your money. Because that's what they're, it's a lot of it's really about social control for the rich to get richer and the poor to not be able to rise up and change things for the better or the middle class either. I take it then that the men in black have not come to you and asked you to shut up about this stuff. Not yet. And hopefully they don't. And hopefully, <laughs> you know, it's uh, I stay under the radar enough that they don't think take me too seriously. We'll see. I guess be careful what you wish for. Tell our listeners if they want to know more about the things you do, where do they go? Yeah, so you can buy the book on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble. If it's on the shelf at Barnes & Noble, they say they'll get it in the store within two or three days. For the film, you can see it on Amazon Prime. It's streaming now on Amazon Prime. It's also in places like Vimeo and Voodoo. The film is also being sold at places like online Target and Walmart and Barnes & Noble and Amazon, Best Buy. But the first book is only sold on Amazon and at independent bookstores, the FBI War on Tupac Shakur and Black Leaders. But thanks so much for helping me get the ideas out there, you guys. Uh, you guys, I meant to say my website's drugsisweapons.com for anyone who wants to look at that. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. You can also find two Paracast fan clubs, a group, and a community on Facebook. And now, of course, with all the crazy publicity about fa- <laughs> Facebook. And all the conspiracies, we may have to find some other place. 
We also should tell you about the Paracast Plus. That's the way you get the ad-free version of this show, free of the network ads, of course, and the After the Paracast podcast, where you never, ever, ever know what's going to happen next. Sometimes it's just me and Randall talking. Sometimes we have other guests on there. Sometimes we continue the show that began on the regular episode of the Paracast. Indeed, this week, John Potash will return for more discussions on After the Paracast. For more information, go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. Prices start at just $1.49 a week. Wow, what a night this has been. John Potash, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thanks so much for having me on. Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>